As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. I don't think there are any businesses that have benefited from this. And even down at the, the local nail bar, the ladies there were saying how quiet they are and friends who have security companies and recruitment companies, everyone is just getting a battering right now. Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off. And that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. Because as landlords, we tend to be most concerned with getting paid on time. You might also know that hundreds of thousands of landlords have to deal with the headaches of evicting tenants each year. Evicting a tenant can be painful, costing as much as $10,000 in court costs and legal fees, and take as long as four weeks to complete. What if there's a trusted way to help prevent the headaches of dealing with evicting a tenant? Make the smart move right from the start. Smart Move's online tenant screening solution can help you quickly understand if you're getting a reliable tenant, which will help you avoid potential problems such as non-payment and evictions. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try Smart Move tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how Smart Move can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with Smart Move's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening, which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with Smart Move's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Nicole Bremner, how you doing, Nicole? I'm great. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to hear that and looking forward to our conversation a little bit about Nicole. She's the founder of two real estate companies based in London. She develops and invests in real estate and has close to 100 units, both residential and commercial, valued at close to 100 million pounds. She is, as I mentioned, based in London. So with that being said, Nicole, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? 
Sure. So I started in property after being in banking, actually. So I was in banking for a number of years. Most recently, I was on Wall Street at Goldman Sachs. And I started on the 15th of September 2008, when everything was just collapsing, which was a really interesting day and not a very fortuitous day to start a new contract at the the bank I'd always wanted to work at. So anyway, I uh, then found out that I was pregnant with my second child anyway. So left, moved back to London and had a third child and still was just looking at what I could do when I grew up, so to speak. I was just really struggling. Banking wasn't for me anymore, not with three young children. So yeah, I just renovated my house, really loved the experience, was still on talking terms to my, with my builders. And uh, it was my partner then who said, why don't you give property development a go? And at that time, I didn't realize that anyone could do it professionally. I, I really did think it was just the house builders who could do that. So that's really a, a bit of a background. And now you got a hundred million pounds worth of property. So there's a lot that transpired from then to now. And just so I'm understanding, you got around a hundred units, residential commercial valued at around a hundred million pounds. So in quick math, that's basically a million dollar a unit average, right? Yeah, there's actually a lot or more. Not, than that, no, so. Sorry, I shouldn't say dollar. A million, <laughs> yeah. a million pounds. million pounds a unit, right? Yeah, no, there's actually it's probably closer to two hundred units in total, spread across uh, eleven different projects. So we've got one project with forty nine units plus a commercial. So there's fifty straight up. Then we've got another project with fifteen plus a large commercial. Others with twenty one. So yeah, it's a whole range of different projects and the prices tend to range from the cheapest one bedroom units outside of central London that might be say £200,000 and right up to we're selling one beautiful apartment, which is all over nest seekers in the US at the moment, actually, and it's on at $5.25 million. So yeah, a whole mm-hmm. range of projects and various prices. So let's just start from... 2009-ish or 2010, when did you move back to London and complete the renovation of your house? Yeah, that was 2009, moved back, and then 2010 started the renovation. And then what was interesting, though, that was a bit of a catalyst as well, is that I got back from two years in New York and living in Manhattan and realized that my flat that I'd left had earned more than me, even though I'd been working in banking. (laughs) And so I was able to sell that flat, take the money and then invest that into more property in very up and coming area that uh, I kind of liken it to Brooklyn. It was sort of Brooklyn before it went crazy. And that's the area of Hackney, a very cool, very trendy, lots of creatives in the area, just like Brooklyn and lots of beautiful buildings there that uh, had been neglected, including my very first project, which is now my home. It was derelict and had been and was squatted so lots of that was going around in Hackney so it was quite easy for me then at that point to take that money invest in this great new area that was gentrifying and make money on that but you had renovated your home but you hadn't from what I can tell so far you hadn't done any ground up development or renovations on other stuff correct no not at that point so not until apart from just putting on a lick of paint on my flat that um, made a lot of money. I hadn't done anything, no. So it wasn't until about 2011, 12, 13, around then that I started looking more seriously at property and started doing renovations on properties in Hackney. And then finally in, I think it was 2013, 
did my first out of the ground, into the ground actually development where we dug a, a lovely basement. We stripped back this beautiful house back to three walls, no ceiling or no roof and really built out that project and it became a really beautiful home that we sold to quite a well-known musician. So that was my first real build experience and that was in 2013. How do you teach yourself how to do that in a relatively short period of time? <laughs> yeah, well, I was really lucky because I was able to joint venture with a very experienced real estate investor who had been doing it for about 30 years. So Avi and I were introduced through an architect and one of my joint venture partners pulled out at the last minute on a property. And so my architect introduced me to Avi. Avi had already done his homework on the property. And so as soon as he walked into the property, he went, yep, let's do this, which felt very, very quick. But anyway, it's been a very good decision because over the last, uh, how many years now, uh, what, seven, six, seven years, we're either working on or have done about 12 projects together and that's how I learned I learned everything from him he really was and still is my mentor in this whole property development process for that first project you partnered with him on what did he bring to the table and what did you bring to the table <laughs> I brought very little <laughs> I think I brought money and that's about it money okay. and eagerness and a huge willing to learn and I didn't even realize that we could get bank finance that's how green I was I thought we had to use cash for everything. I thought that the only bank debt you could get was your mortgage on your home and you'd be committing mortgage fraud if you tried to do any sort of development, which is true, you can't. But I didn't realize that there was development finance. One thing I did do, which was I ran my own building team because my builder and I had gotten along really well. So we'd done some projects together before and I was able to bring my knowledge of running a building team, project managing to the partnership, but he obviously already had that anyway. So yeah, it really was just my part of the cash and my eagerness to learn. And now fast forward to 12 projects later, approximately, what are you doing versus what is he doing? And have you brought in any other joint venture partners to fill in any other areas? What we've done is uh, we've very clearly split the tasks. So initially I was running my own build team and so was he, but then we clearly saw that he was able to do it so much more efficiently than I could. So I parted ways with my build team. And then I started focusing on the finance raising and the dealing with architects and investors and helping with the marketing of the completed projects. I still do go along to the construction meetings when I can, but mainly I leave the construction very much to him. And as far as other joint venture partners, we haven't really worked with anyone that has additional skills to what we have occasionally. And very frequently, we work with other investors, particularly with crowdfunding. We were able to raise 6.4 million from the crowd. People with as little as 500 pounds have been able to invest in our projects. So we've got, I think the latest count was 169 investors, which is a full-time job in itself, just communicating with them. So yes, but as far as other principal partners, it's tended just to be the two of us. And then occasionally some high net worth investors have come through more silently as investors. So you have chosen a path that can be incredibly rewarding financially. It can also, conversely, it can be incredibly draining from a mental capacity standpoint, emotionally, and then also financially if things don't work out. So what are some things that haven't worked out as planned and then how did you approach those challenges? 
Well, I can give you many examples, unfortunately, <laughs> right now with, as I'm sure you've seen all over the press, we're going through Brexit here in the UK and it's just been, yeah, it's been a disaster. It really has. I don't think there are any businesses that have benefited from this. And even down at the, the local nail bar, the ladies there were saying how quiet they are and friends who have security companies and recruitment companies, everyone is just getting a battering right now because of there's just no visibility. So that came at a time when the government also announced tax reforms on landlords. So that was also quite catastrophic for many landlords. And also thirdly, they increased the tax for people buying more than one property. So all these things just created yeah. this perfect storm for investment in the UK. The, the government's really sending a message with the tax reforms that they want to try and professionalise the industry and they don't want the regular person to be able to participate in this industry anymore. They just want the big corporations. So that's really the headwind that we've been facing. So with that in mind, I've got a number of examples. One that's been quite public and that I've been really open and transparent about is this beautiful five million pound property in West London. We bought that really cheaply at the time, put a lot of money into making it just the most beautiful apartment that you could find on the market and then we had this three-pronged attack of the tax changes plus brexit and the whole market for luxury prime property in london just evaporated overnight so now we're left with this stunningly beautiful apartment that we've had to short lent unfortunately which takes the shine off something new and yeah really we're getting Luckily, finally, after 15 months on the market, we're getting some low cheeky offers, which are fine. I welcome cheeky offers. They're offers <laughs> all the same. But we're getting offers that are even lower than the money that we've spent on that property, which is a really bitter pill to swallow. But um, sometimes you just got to cut and run, don't you? <laughs> so, yeah. so we're trying to work out now what to do with that. Yeah, so is the thought process, hey, there might be some change in the headwinds or change in direction of the way the wind's blowing so let's hold on to it or is it let's just as you said kind of cut it and let's move on yeah it depends which of us you ask on which day <laughs> and what a headache it's causing so yeah for me today i'm feeling quite positive we've got short-term lets booked right out until august on the property if we want them so my current thinking is that we'll hold it the rental income covers the interest cost on that. And I really just don't believe we should sell it for less than we put into it. So we hold it, wait for Brexit to settle down because all these things, you look at the tech bubble and the uh, world financial crisis of 2008, everyone forgets, people move on, house prices recover, everything goes back to normal. If you look at long-term charts, these are short-term blips. So my current thinking is that we hold it, weather the storm, and uh, wait until things turn. And then we'll get $5 million, $6 million for it. So that's my current thinking. But ask me tomorrow, and I might have changed my mind and decided, let's just take anything for it. <laughs> yep, fair enough. Therein lies the challenge of any developer. And perhaps you can challenge me on this, because first off, I've never developed anything. So there's that. I don't have experience with what I'm about to say. So I'm coming in from just an academic standpoint. So my theory is when you do a development, it's not cash flowing. Therefore, you have a lot of costs up front. And if things change when you eventually have it developed and it's stabilized, then there could be some 
trouble from a financial standpoint, and then conversely, if things change positively, then even better. Or if they do what you think they will do, then great. You accomplish what you were set out to accomplish. So my question is, how as a developer could this challenge, this 5 million pound property in West London, how do you attempt to mitigate the risk from that happening again on future deals when it's a development risk? So how do you approach that for future deals? Yeah, that really is the million dollar question. And you're absolutely right. That is when most developers come unstuck. And the number of developers who unfortunately go under is very, very high. And the reason is simply cash flow. And as you pointed out, these developments are really cash hungry. And if you don't have the cash to put into them and then you uh, look, us property developers by nature are all glass half full. We share a lot of traits with gamblers even. We really do. We, we set up this base case, mid case, best case scenario, and no one ever believes that we're going to hit the base case ever. They always think we're going to hit the mid and above. And yet when we do hit that, we're just completely underprepared for that. So I think that the only way to mitigate against these occurrences is by holding much more cash than you thought you needed and even double that again. So just to tell you, some of the developers who are doing really well right now, I had the fortunate opportunity to interview Tony Pidgeley, who's the chair and founder of the Barclay Homes Group here in the UK, largest house builder in the UK. They are having a great time right now because they have been hoarding cash over the last decade because they could see that properties were getting expensive. So they were going against the grain, holding onto cash. Right now they're sitting on huge amounts of cash and they're not at the beck and call of lenders. They're able just to go out and buy and landowners are wanting to buy it to them, not just because of their name, but because it's just an easy transaction. There's no waiting for banks to come through and things like that. So yeah, if you've got cash, Cash is king and you're going to win every time. But um, property developers are always chasing that next deal. And it's, it takes a lot of discipline to hold back the cash that's needed. And I'm guilty of that. Well, let's talk about a success story. So what's a project that you're really proud of? I think the project that I'm most proud of hasn't quite finished yet. But we bought this beautiful rooftop development around City Road, which is sort of a, a tech hub of London. And we bought it off... Um, not sure if you're familiar with Simon Cowell, the judge of X Factor, but we brought it off his brother, Nick Cowell, who's a really lovely guy who'd own an estate agency here in London. And they were selling it with planning permission just for two flats and on top of this really beautiful building. And my business partner, Avi, could see that there was quite a big gap between the ceiling of the top floor and the roof of this building. And we got an engineer up there and worked out that we could probably get another floor on this building without increasing the visibility of that additional floor from the street view, which is what the planning department are most worried about. So uh, sure enough, our architect did this beautiful scheme, went back to planning, but unfortunately the planners didn't even look at our new scheme and just rejected it. So fast forward two years later, we finally won on appeal. So we over doubled what we had previously bought. And uh, now we're building it out. But my goodness, it's been a challenge. Just sometimes you feel like you're, uh, you've got obstacles at every turn. But with this particular project, it's just beautiful. And the computer generated images that we've got currently are just really, really lovely. And 
every time I walk through the site, I just get this beautiful feeling. The views are lovely and the feel of the project's beautiful. I just can't wait for it to be finished and stand in these lovely apartments looking out over London. And hopefully, if things go to plan, one of them will be my home. So uh, very excited about that. (laughs) What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Best advice is cash flow. And it comes back to what I said before. It's just develop the discipline to understand that this is not about short-term gain. This is about building a long-term legacy. And if you can have the discipline and develop that discipline to hold back cash and know when to say no, your career is going to last your lifetime rather than just be for the next couple of years. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure, let's do it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. Okay, Nicole, best ever book you've recently read? Oversubscribed, I think that's the name, by Daniel Priestley, but pretty much anything by Daniel Priestley. Okay. You are introducing a new author to my world, so thanks for that. Best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about already? Anglefield Road in Islington, central London. How come? We did it at the height of the market. We bought low, renovated beautifully on time, and sold within a couple of months at a peak just before the market bottomed out. And also, it was just a stunningly beautiful development that this is the one that was bought by quite a famous musician. And he's a lovely guy as well and has invited me around a couple of times to see what he's done to the place and see all his musical instruments. So that was a great deal. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? I sit on the board of two charities. One is for urinary catheters, which sounds very weird, but um, a cause close to my heart. And the other is for cancers of the neck and throat which again is something that's very close to me having experience in that area so yeah i sit on these boards and i'm really excited to give back in that way as well as any other way i can through mentoring advice and investment how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on i'm prolific on all social media instagram twitter linkedin facebook or you can go to my website nicolebremner.com Nicole, thank you for being on the show, sharing the successes as well as the lessons learned from being a developer and how you got into it, how you initially structured the deals with your partner and how roles have evolved and how you two have settled into what your strengths are and your areas of focus. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end of the work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.